Have you ever been in a role where you're a leader, but you're not the senior leader, you're like second, third, or fourth in charge, you have a responsibility to take care of, you have people to manage, vision to cast, culture to create, but you're not the one at the top. And sometimes that can get a little bit fuzzy. Well, a lot of leadership material is not geared towards people in that group of leadership. However, that is the largest group of leadership. So if you are a volunteer at church, you're a small group leader, maybe you're a worship pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, or even at work where you're not the top dog, but you have influence and you want to learn how to manage your influence well, support your leaders well, and just do the best job with the measure that God has given you. Well, today's episode is most definitely for you. <laughs> Today, I have Miss Taylor Purcello on the show, and she is coming representing the ministry called Leading Second, where their mission and mandate is to teach leaders how to become a second chair leader that senior leaders would kill for. All right, let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. With season three here, I decided it was high time we have some merch. Now listen, that is not just coffee mugs, t-shirts, and sweatshirts. Y'all, that is our own coffee line. I have partnered with Didymi Coffee, who are God-fearing, Jesus-loving people who are using their entrepreneur skills to push his kingdom forward. And they wanted to partner with the podcast to create two coffee flavors that are the Java with Jen coffee flavors. Y'all, they're delicious. They're organic and totally delicious. They're amazing. I run through them way faster than I should. And so you can go check out javawithjenmerch.com to check out both the coffee and the merch and see what goodness we've got going on over there. And make sure if you buy something, take a picture Throw it in your stories on Instagram, make a post on Facebook, whatever, and tag me so I can reshare the stuff you're loving. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for joining me for this episode. I'm particularly excited about this episode because I found this ministry called Leading Second somehow. I still don't even know how I found them, but I found them online and they have such a unique vision to equip and support and nurture the leaders that lead from that second chair place in their churches um, and teaching them how they can create culture, how they can support, how they can maximize their influence while still supporting the leadership that's over them, which I feel like is such a huge present need in the church, but it's not often taught. So I wanted to have them on. And when they agreed to have to come on the show, I just was beside myself with excitement. And so Taylor is uh, representing Leading Second. Taylor, thank you for coming on. Hey. The yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it today. Yeah, so to go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about how you got connected to Leading Second and just the vision behind the ministry. Yeah, that's great. So I'm on staff full-time at my church and we got plugged in with Leading Second uh, just from a, a network conference we're all a part of up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, my pastor is good friends with the founder of Leading Second, um, Pastor Brandon Stewart. And so that's kind of how that whole story unfolded there. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. So now go ahead and elaborate a little bit more about what makes Leading Second so unique. And so I touched it a little bit, but I really want to hear from you. Like what's the driving passion behind the ministry? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think you see a lot of resources and books out there on, on leadership, a lot of leadership resources. And oftentimes those are geared towards the, the person in charge, person at the top, which is great. We need all that. All that stuff is, is vital, but you don't see a lot of content out there these days about people who aren't necessarily in charge, but they're still leading people. So maybe like a um, like a, a campus pastor or a second chair leader, an executive sitting below a, a pastor or below a, the top level leader, there's a lot of ground to take and a lot of a lot of battles fought in that layer, so to speak, that second chair uh, space that we just, Pastor Brandon Stewart and his wife, Lindsay, just felt the call to be, um, to be a resource, to be a light for the second chair. And so leading second uh, is there to, to empower second chair leaders in a culture that often celebrates, you know, individual achievement. What's in it for me being on top? Uh, this ministry it, it exists to raise up leaders 
every pastor would kill to have on the team. We say that a lot. Leaders who are all in heart and soul for, for Jesus, his church, and the team's mission. Um, Leading Second is focused on developing leaders that uh, have uncommon skill, uncommon wisdom, and uncommon attitude. We are for the local church. We see the church as God's idea. God, uh, the church is plan A. There is no plan B. So we we want to do this while well. we want to run that race well. So we see a tribe of healthy, thriving leaders and teams across the whole landscape of the church um, and ultimately building churches that impact communities for Christ. And I remember when I, I first read the leading second creed, I just, something in my heart just leapt and just came alive. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's for me. So I want to share it with you really quick today. Uh, this is our, our creed, kind of our mantra, like what we what we shape and form all of leading second around and, and it's this um, i'm a christ follower called to build the local church i am a leader serving a vision bigger than myself and i champion the uncommon realm of honor or my pastor's vision is my vision i own it my personal success is second to my church's success i will die to self daily to see the church move forward i stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before me and surrendered their lives i will do the same I will give every ounce of my life to this work with no regard for credit, positions, or titles. I will leverage all of my influence for the cause of Christ to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Yeah, and that really is scripturally found uh founded in first samuel 14 7 is kind of the founding scripture of this ministry and jonathan and his armor bearer are going into a battle against the philistines and they're scaling this this rocky uh hillside and um it's in uh first samuel 14 7 and uh he looks back and he's like hey let's go let's let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised it may be that the lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the lord from saving by many or by few in verse seven says, and his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish, behold, I am with you heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And that's really where, where it was birthed, where it was founded is like, no matter what's come in pastor, a leader, I'm with you heart and soul, I'm behind you. I'm scaling that rocky cliff with you. Um, I'm with you in this. That's awesome. I just love that. Yeah. I want to, I want to highlight to you for anyone who's listening that even though like executive pastors, associate pastors, youth pastors fall in that role, I feel like there's so many people that fall into this category that don't even have titles, like they're support volunteers at church, you know, or they're small group leaders at church or things like that, where they have a vision to follow, but they also have a vision to carry. And, Mm -hmm. and so for anyone who's listening, if you are in, you don't have to have a title to feel like this is relevant to you. I feel like the, the principles that drive this ministry will just make a healthy church period. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I love that it's built around honor because that's actually one of the things that my husband and I do when we go in and we build uh, we have a school of ministry we have for years and years and we train leaders. We're all about discipleship. We train leaders and we always build a culture of honor. In fact, we're, we're going through that with our staff at the church right now and creating just the culture and the understanding that honor is what will create a healthy environment. Um, and like knowing, of course, where the boundaries are with that, you can have unhealthy, you know, cultures of honor that get a little extreme, but um, but I just love that you guys focus on that because it's true. And like the, the vision that's bigger than the individual person mm-hmm. is going to nurture unity when everyone's pursuing the same vision and not pursuing their own. And Great. so I love that. So speaking of culture, well, unless you had a thought, did you have a thought to that? No, I think I'm, I'm with you there. Honor, we define honor as treating someone as, as uncommon and so unique, special set apart. And that doesn't mean that you are there's not like a a gross weird spirit about honor I think honor like so to speak honor culture gets a bad rap um but I just think that I just want to make honor sexy again (laughs) I don't hope that doesn't sound weird but like there's just so much freedom and life in honor and honor goes both ways honor goes up down and all around honor doesn't just flow down or up um it goes it goes all all around as well and so I'm with you there honor uh, is just life-giving environments grow in the culture of honor that's so good. I love that you use that word. I actually, one of the sessions that I teach in our school of ministry is on creating a culture of honor. And that's the definition I drive it on is that it's treating people like they're uncommon. And great. So, 
I just love that. Okay, so then this question, what are some ways that leaders that are in second chair can contribute to creating that culture? Um, and I think they have even sometimes a more pivotal role than the people on top because culture is something that has to be authentic. And I think people are looking to see how that second chair responds in situations because they see that they're under authority. So what would you say to that? Yeah, I would say second chair leaders might actually be the more, most important people in the organization when it comes to creating and setting culture. Culture has to start with from the top down. Culture doesn't go bottom up, it goes top down and it flows down the organization. And so the lead pastor, senior pastor might set the vision, oftentimes does set the vision, the direction of where the organization or where the church is going. Going, but the second chair leaders are the ones responsible for taking up the vision, adopting it as their own and running full steam ahead with it. Mm -hmm. um, culture, it, from what I have kind of read and studied on, it's, it's an atmosphere more than it's like a thing. It's like an atmosphere and embodiment of values. So it's like the outward evidence of values that you've adopted and lived out internally. So it, I think it's, it's absolutely critical that second chair leaders not only create and contribute, but that they they um, they protect it and they they carry it across and down their organization. So I think that they are the most influential people in the organization when it comes to when it comes to culture, for sure. So your pastor might set a value, like one of our values here is um, uh, like honor up down all around. That's one of our values, and so. Uh, we, it starts with us. It starts at the top. So if we as second chair leaders are not honoring up and we're not honoring down, then we're essentially, we're essentially liars, right? <laughs> a blunt way to, to say it, but it has to start with us. And so if we say that uh, we look for lonely people, it's one of our values here at Genesis. I have to be the first one that on a Sunday, I'm looking for that lonely person. Mm -hmm. It's acted out. It's embodied. It's a, there's a behavior and an action tied to the value. And when you start uh, aligning your behaviors and the atmosphere of your church uh, or your organization around what you say you value, uh, when those things start to align, I think that your culture is authentic. Your culture um, is, is genuine. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like a culture becoming authentic is kind of two dimensions. One, the people have to have to like, they initially learn the culture at some point they're introduced to it, whether sure. it's through a message an explanation or an encounter with somebody. But I feel like those are the two ways that people absorb the culture is they hear it, they have the vision for it, or they hear that phrase, you know, uh, we're going after the lonely people or whatever your phrase was. Mm -hmm. And then, but then they have to experience it. If they don't experience it, then I feel like that culture will always stay on kind of like a theoretical level where they're like, yeah, that's yeah. Good, but I've never seen it. So they won't ever fully buy in. Sure. Would you say? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you can, you can observe culture. So if you're a new person in a church, you can look around, you can see all these things happening. Um, but once you start kind of getting into the weeds a little bit more, sometimes it might be, it might, you said earlier, it might be a little showy. It might be fake, you know, like putting on a show, like, but really it, it comes down to like submitting and having, having a spirit of humility and submission to the mission, the values of your house and submitting to your pastor's vision. A lot of people don't like that word submit, but submission and authority, it's, that's God, those are God's ideas. And so uh, submitting to and aligning your heart to the mission of the house um, and where that humility comes, you start to embody it and it starts to become who you are yeah. and you, you live by it and honor up, down, all around is, is just part of, part of my identity now, part of who I am. Um, and so then it just becomes, it becomes real and authentic in that sense is that you're not forcing it. It's just, it flows out of you naturally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I know that, I know I'd heard Craig Rochelle say one time that he would rather cut off certain like aspects of their church busyness and ministry and activities, um, and even cut roles and cut positions, than hire someone new for that, because it's so hard to adapt someone into the culture because there's such a learning curve with it. You know, usually the best thing is to raise them up from inside, but it just spoke sure. volumes to me of how crucial culture is. And I feel like what you just demonstrated even, which I don't even know if you realize you just did this, but like you've already thrown out two or three catchphrases that no doubt carry the culture in your church. Like sure. those little, I even mentioned this in staff on Monday. I was like, those little catchphrases 
our triggers for people to remind them of our culture. Mm -hmm. And they're so easy to do. It's one of the easiest ways to create a culture is have those catchphrases Mm -hmm. that of course we live by, but that constantly remind us of who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. And so what are some of the Mm -hmm. other catchphrases that you guys have? So you said like honor up, down, all around. You said uh, something about the lonely people. Yeah. Look for lonely people. Uh, people are our product. So it's not about buildings or albums or merch or things like people are the fruit of the kingdom. So we're going to pursue people and build people uh, because that's people are the, the ones that Jesus died for. Like Jesus didn't die for your fancy building, you know, and all of your merch and your albums, all those things are great. Yes. Use those. Those are tools to bring people into, into the church family. Great. But people are, are our product. They are the fruit of the kingdom. And so that those are, that's, that's another one of our values here. Another one is uh, details communicate value. Mm. Or so we sweat the small stuff. And why do we sweat the small stuff? Because details communicate value. When you are meticulously executing the little things, the details that someone might walk in and notice a misspelled word on your screen. And that's like, oh my gosh, they, and I'm leaving. And that's a silly reason to leave, but it happens, you know? And so considering everybody, like, we, uh, we sweat the small stuff. And so if we come in to our church and like it's messy and disheveled and there's the chairs are all a mess and there's misspelled, misspelled words on the screen and you know, it's all the, the music is, there's technical issues that doesn't align with, with our, what we say that we value. And so we, we pursue excellence here, um, here at my church at Genesis. We, we value excellence because deep, those details communicate value. And so as we, as we are continuously pursuing excellence and in, in, in the execution of things, it's uh, on our documents from the, from the smallest document to the screen on Sunday. And so that's our culture. We have a culture of excellence here with culture and spirit of excellence because um, the behavior and what you're seeing, the outward observations, the atmosphere of the church aligns to what we say that we value. So we have a culture of excellence. That's really cool. Okay. So a lot of what you're saying, just personal side note, a lot of the things you're describing is making me flashback to my years at Teen Mania at the Honor Academy. Did any of your leaders work with Teen Mania? I don't think so. Oh, that, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound familiar. It feels like so much crossover. It's crazy. I feel like I'm flashing back, but in a great way. It was the best season. Yeah. It was so shaping. I loved it. Um, okay. So next question, did you feel a specific calling to this role? You kind of alluded to this earlier, um, or was like speaking of being second in command now, uh, maybe not so much your role to the leading second ministry, but let's talk about, you know, any role where you're uh, a second chair leader. Did you feel a specific calling to that role or was it the result of simply meeting a need? And then you found that found yourself in that position because sometimes I think people struggle about, is this what I'm called to do when really a lot of times God puts you in positions to do things simply because you're meeting a need and you accidentally find out what you're called to sure. do. Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. It's so different for everyone. It, that, it looks different for every leader. For me personally, it, it was an audible call. I was on a trajected path to, to start a different career a few years back. And I was pursuing like a, getting, you know, a degree in something. And and then my pastor called me out of the blue on my lunch break. And he, he never called me at that point. Like I was, I was on leading a team and I was kind of far, far down on the org chart. I'd been there for a few years at the church and he called me one day and he's like, Hey, I want to offer you a job. And he kind of explained it to me. And I just felt in that moment, like I felt it just, my heart shifted. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it was really scary. It was very, very scary. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, but I knew that it was a call. It was a distinct audible call in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great because what he, as he explained the position, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm good at all those things, like organization, administration, uh, you know, building org charts, position descriptions, details, checklists. I'm like, that's totally me. Um, And I'm like, do you want my resume? Do you want to interview me first? And he's like, no, I've been interviewing you for four years. And I was like, oh, okay. So back to what you said earlier about not hiring quickly and you know, hiring, hiring from within, uh, I would say that we, we definitely kind of aligned to that idea um, because he knew that I was heart and soul for the house. He knew that my heart was aligned to his, to his heart. My heart was aligned to his vision and and the mission of the church. And he knew that I was coming along. And, and so that was a, that was a pretty, pretty pivotal moment for me. And so it was definitely a distinct audible call for me. 
and where it was aligning to like my, I think my gifts and my calling and my identity, but also that was a huge need at our church at that time. Like we didn't have an org chart. We didn't have a, a lot of, you know, organization and, and systems and structures. And so it was both for me, it was a call and I was meeting a need. And so I think that for, for pe people who might have, you know, a call into a position and not sure if they're called to it and they're just maybe they're meeting a need. There's so much value in that. There's value in in meeting a need where you're at, and I think that um, there there's a tension there where you can you can have passion. Passion is driven to your purpose, and so you can have a passion for something, um, but also maybe be in a season where you're filling a role where you don't necessarily feel like it's your passion and your and it's your purpose. Mm -hmm. I think you know God. God's timing is perfect and he He knows the plan better than you do. And if you're in that role, like be faithful where you're at no matter what. Even if you feel like it's you're not necessarily called there, it's not your passion, be faithful in that moment and keep open communication with your leader about what your passion is. Yeah. I think just be faithful in, in, in doing all the things and uh, doing it well, execute well, and be faithful in that in that role, that lane that you're at in that season, while also being very open and transparent with your leader about, hey, I'm super passionate about, you know, youth ministry or kids ministry. And that's, I feel like that's, you know, like where God is kind of leading me, you know, or I'm really good at um, administration. And I just feel like I could land there someday. I think is if your leader doesn't know what your passions are, your leader doesn't know like what lights you up, what brings you joy, like maybe your leader's not aware of your spiritual gifts or the way that God made you, how are they supposed to help get you in your role if you're not communicating what you want? So just be clear and open, I think, with what you think your passion is. And that starts with, I think, understanding and knowing. The spiritual gifts test is a great place to start. Yeah, Knowing how God made you, how God wired you is a huge step in connecting, I think, your, your passion, your purpose with where you think you should be. Absolutely. I love that. And I love how much like faithfulness, I see faithfulness woven through all y'all's values because from, from, and kind of even speaking to that question of like meeting a need or fulfilling a calling, I feel like I always see almost, almost across the board that I feel like fulfilling a need leans first because I feel like that's mm. where faithfulness shows up. And that's where I feel like the Lord tests and refines our character. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like faithfulness is where, where we show up as authentic to the vision and not seeking just to fulfill some great calling on our life. And, and mm -hmm. kind of like, I, I think of it like that movie, um, the karate kid and you know how the mm -hmm. coach guy, he was like, he'd have him pick up his jacket like a hundred times. And the kid was like, this is stupid. You know, when are you going to start training me? And then he finally goes over there and throws a punch and the kid just automatically had the, the response from practicing, putting his jacket up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was like, you didn't realize I actually was training you that whole time. You thought you were picking up a jacket, but I was embedding into you the movements you'd need to defend yourself. And Great. I feel like the Lord works like that in our lives. We think we're just meeting a need that's monotonous. And the yes. Lord's like, ah, uh, but I'm building the thought processes. I'm Great. building problem solving. I'm building everything in. So in your next season, you'll look back and go, I'm already equipped mm -hmm. for it. I don't even know I was doing that, you know? That's great. Yeah. And it could be, maybe God is protecting you from something when you're in that season of, of learning and, and yeah, refining and getting some new skills, like sharpening your sword, so to speak in that season. So that when you do get to that place, like you have some tools in your tool belt and just understanding like God, God's in it. Like he's in no matter what season you're in, like he's there. Yeah. It's so true. I love it. Yeah. This is so important. Yes. Okay, so since you're in the details, what are some scheduling practices? These are some questions my husband pulled out. Um, what are some scheduling practices for people in this second chair position? Because a lot of times they get miscellaneous tasks dumped on them and it's really great when you have a very clear defined role you know what your lane is and that lane is protected because everyone has their job that's more common in like larger churches but in like smaller churches or smaller organizations a lot of times it can be a hodgepodge of everybody's just getting the jobs done and mm -hmm. that, that second chair person a lot of times gets kind of dumped on and so what are some scheduling practices that or just um, principles even that you recommend for people in that position? 
Yeah, that's great. I think one of the, the first things I learned in my leadership journey was to duplicate myself, mm-hmm. to, to not be, if I'm the leader, second chair, I'm leading people. I, I cannot be the one doing the tasks. Like I can't be the one setting up the coffee and holding the sign and, and, and setting up the displays throughout the week. Like I can't be task person um, because your, uh, your to-do list will grow until you grow. So I had to learn how to multiply myself. This comes from a fantastic leadership book, probably the best leadership book I have ever read. I read it every year. It's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And she talks about multiplying the talents of other people in your team. Mm-hmm. And by duplicating yourself and multiplying yourself, you, you're going to expend far less energy and get a lot more done because you're working through a team. You're working through people. You have a, a team of people around you that you're helping grow their skills by, by helping them have a hand in ministry and being a part of it all. And so really, if you can learn to just duplicate yourself from the very beginning as fast as you possibly can, um, that frees you up to have more time pouring into your leaders, meeting them for coffee, going out to lunch, pouring into people, leading people, spending time in your word, spending time in prayer. Uh, there's every day I break away uh, multiple times today just to go pray, just to go read. And if I had, if I don't duplicate myself and lead through my directors and my people below in the org chart, um, the tasks will just, you'll just be spinning your wheels throughout your whole journey in ministry. And that's just, that's not fun. So I think, first of all, yeah, duplicate yourself. Um, I think a second thing uh, you often hear in ministry world is balance. Like, how do you have balance? How do you have work-life ministry balance? I have, I have a young family, I have young kiddos, I have a baby and a two-year-old and a husband at home. And people often ask me like, how do you balance ministry and home life? And I'm like, I, I don't love the word balance. We don't use that word in our house. We use the word rhythm because ministry is not just something that we do. Ministry is not something my husband and I do, like checking it off a list. Okay, work today, done. Uh, ministry is who we are. It's part of who we are. It's part of our flow. It's part of the rhythm of our house. And Uh, we're going to go through different seasons where we're like super, super in ministry. And it's like 40, 50, 60 hour weeks at the church doing things. And there's going to be weeks where it's like 20 hours, you know, 25 and it's, it's lower. And so people are striving towards this idea of balance when they're not balanced, they're going to, it's going to throw them off and they're going to, they're going to say, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm burning out. I'm I'm this and that. It's like, no, it's not about balance. It's about rhythm. Like what kind of rhythm can you get your family into and it looks obviously it looks different for every person individual every family looks different in this but I've just we just learned like we bring our kids to church and they're part of the prayer moments and they're in it with us and they're serving when they get older they're going to be serving in those spaces and just making sure that our kids have a love for our kids ministry here they love coming to church and learning about God and worshiping and teaching, teaching our kids to be in it with us. And so it's just part of who it's, it's who we are. It's not something that we do. And, um, even how I talk to my daughter about, yeah, mommy gets to go. I don't really say mommy's going to go to work. She hates it. When I leave, I, I bend down and say, mommy gets to go lead people today. What an honor it is that mama gets to, that she gets to lead people in this and that she gets to teach people about God. And so even just little things, how you phrase it. Um, I hope that, I hope that's making sense that we just, we really have moved towards just rhythm, having rhythm in our, in our world. And I think, um, to what you said about second chair leaders getting things dumped on them, uh, two parts to that. First of all, yes, multiply, multiply yourself, learn how to lead through a team, um, so that you can, so as soon as tasks get dumped on you, which they always will, the tasks will not stop. They'll keep coming, but to be in a place where you can say, okay, I got it, pastor, we'll get it done. You'd literally, you swivel your chair, you turn around and you look to your team and say, hey guys, this is what we've got to get done. Here, here's all the directions. Here's the clarity and the instructions. Here's all the expectations. Now go run with this. And then your team can take it and then they can take it to their teams and execute all of the things. And so being clear with your instruction and your, your uh, expectations in that sense. And the second thing I would say is it's about capacity is when you get things put on your plate, um, you'll know your capacity by the law of hard. And Pastor Brandon Stewart actually taught us this, our staff here at Genesis, this concept. Um, When you say something is hard, that's when you know that you've reached your capacity or reached your lid, like growing a team or recruiting volunteers. Well, I just, that's so hard for me. 
Mm -hmm. You'll know that that's your lid as soon as you get, you can say the words, that's hard. So mm -hmm. identifying what is hard for you? What, what gives you a little bit of like, oh my gosh, yeah. what makes your heart race a little bit? <laughs> that might be your lid. And so uh, it comes from, I, I don't know if it's the advantage or 21 laws of leadership. I think it's 21 laws of leadership by John Maxwell is the leadership lid. Uh, the, the, the highest lid or the number one lid in an organization is a leadership lid. So if leaders, if they can't be busting through their lids and their capacity, stretching and growing their capacity, then the organization won't. Yeah. And so um, organizations and churches only go as far as leaders can go. So I think be thinking about what comes to mind when you say, what's hard for me? Um, and that's going to look different for, for every leader. But um, I think oftentimes leaders will put, will put things on second chair leaders' plates mm -hmm. because they want to see what their capacity is. Mm -hmm. And so leaders often say, yes, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it because there's just yes, 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 yes. But then they get mad at their lead pastor when they feel burdened or burnt out because they didn't learn how to say no. So another, another element there is learn how to say no in a healthy way. I think it's totally possible to say no with a spirit of yes, like having a heart to say yes, but saying, saying no. Um, a lot of times leaders will I'll say, Hey, like, do you have the capacity? I say that often to my people. Uh -huh. Do you have the capacity to execute this? Do you have the capacity to lead this? And oftentimes it's, yep, I got it. And then two weeks later they quit. <laughs> and it's because it's because they didn't have Sometimes it could be they didn't have the capacity to say no, whether that be they didn't want to make me feel bad. They they really honestly, truly want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, they have a heart and a spirit of saying yes. Um, but it's, it's such a fine art of learning how to say no, with the spirit of saying yes. Um, so that's it. That's a tricky one. But um, allow your, I would just encourage a second chair leader to allow your lead pastor, allow your senior leader to test your capacity because they might just be saying, okay, they keep executing, all this stuff is getting done. This is great. I love it. Hey, let's give you some more. Let's give you some more. Let's give you some more. Um, but if you haven't learned how to communicate the no in a healthy way, then that's not on them. That's on you. And yeah. so being aware of saying no, the spirit of saying spirit of yes in your heart. Um, I would say there's always more good ideas than you and your team have the capacity to execute. True. So, true. so you have to be aware of what are the what are the things and the tasks that are really critical for moving the ball down the field to executing the mission that day and spend your, your energy and your focus there because you can do a million things really bad. You can do a few things kind of okay, but you can do one or two things really, really well. So decide what those one or two things are going to be and then just go after it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. That's like the principle of 80, 20, like 20% mm -hmm. of your energy is put into those things that really move the mission forward. And then the 80% is oftentimes the things that we just busy ourselves with. It's so true. That are not effective. And so they're like, you got to train yourself to look for <laughs> those 20% tasks and put your energy there. Um, great. Okay. And I love what you said though, about saying no with a spirit of saying yes, having a spirit of yes. And I tell my kids this too, because you know, if they can't do something or whatever, I'm like, listen, if this is something you literally can't do because you're working on homework or whatever, or dad's already given you an instruction, then I'm like, then you just have to explain, but you explain your heart with it. Like, mom, I'm not meaning to argue, but this is the situation, you know, mm -hmm. or with a leader that needs to say, no, you can tell your boss, like, or your, your pastor or whoever, like, I'm a hundred percent on board with this vision, but I don't have, like you said, the capacity to do that. And what my husband and I do at that point, if we have to tell someone no, is we try to be part of finding the solution it's great. for them. You know, great. So like, I can't do it, but you know what? I think this person might be able to, let me go see if they're able to do that. That way you're still part of the solution, Yes, but <laughs> it's not on you. <laughs> yes. No, I am so there with you. I would say, I, I echo what you just said. If you don't have the room or the capacity, I think first thing, asking clarifying questions to your pastor, I always start with, is this? is this a, a task that you specifically see me doing and you want me doing? And if the answer is yes, like, okay, then let's, let's look at my plate and let's see what, what has to slide off my plate for this new thing to slide on my plate mm -hmm. and just be flexible and be, be available to move things around and say, okay, this other thing that's happening, we're going to put that on hold. We're going to put that on the back burner for now so that I can take this and this can go on my plate. Or if it's something like, no, I don't think it necessarily needs to be you. I'm like, okay, great. 
Um, I'm going to do what I can to find someone else who, who can take this and who can run with this. And yeah, being very open and very clear about your heart. Um, oftentimes, if you're a past, if you're on the team and in your heart and soul, like your pastor knows that you're in it, you're at your heart and soul. Um, but just being, ha- having the clarity and the openness to communicate like where you're at and being a part of the solution. I think that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So yeah. next question, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, what are the common pitfalls for those who lead second that prevent them from leading well, as well as what are some of the milestones to watch for that tells them, Hey, I'm on the right track and I'm leading well. Mm-hmm. So like, what are the pitfalls and then what are the, the positive milestones? Yeah, that's great. I think one of the one of the biggest pitfalls a secondary leader might face would be just a lack of spiritual depth. Mm-hmm. I think that when your internal world, your internal input is not matching your external output or external overflow or like out outpouring, I think that's how it's phrased. <laughs> not sure, but when what's happening inside is not matching your external work, mm-hmm. uh, you just you're not going to be able to carry it well. Uh, if you are not in, in, in your word daily, in, in prayer, at the foot of like the cross every day, in prayer, like seeking the face of God, like you're just, you're going to, you're going to run on empty. You're going to lead on empty and uh, you're, you're going to be leading from your flesh and from, from yourself rather than from like rivers of flowing water flowing through you from the Holy Spirit being full. So I think just yeah, a lack of spiritual depth is a huge, huge one leading with an empty spirit. Um, so I would say to that, like be, be in your word a lot, be in prayer. Like if you think you need to be in prayer for like a certain amount of time per day, like triple it, <laughs> you can never have too much. Honestly, you can never have too much prayer. I think that that was a big one for me, a really, really big one. I thought I could get off on, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day in my prayer and worship and study time. And I was just not working. I was not working for me. I was, uh, my my heart was hard. I just had this callous shell around my heart all the time. I was bitter. I was reactive at my coworkers. I was snappy. I was defensive and I just didn't have a soft heart. I had a really hard heart and a really thin skin. One thing we say around here is, have a, have a soft heart and a thick skin, which means, um, don't let things offend you. Like let things slide off your back, like quicker than they got thrown on your back, have a really hard, um, skin and a really, really soft heart, a tender, responsive heart. And that just comes from being in, being in the presence of God, yeah. honestly, just it, connected to the vine, uh, connected to that, to that life, that life source is the vine. He's, he's the vine. We are the branches. And so if we're not connected to the vine, we're going to be just be struggling, trying to squeeze out fruit, trying to pop out a grape, you know, when if we're not connected to the life source, we're just going to be struggling and frustrated and wanting to quit, throwing the towel every day is going to be, I don't even want to be here. I want to quit. I want to walk away. And that's not who we are. Like we're, we're priests, we're royal priesthood, we're a chosen nation. And so we are, we have a priestly anointing on our lives and the, the, the call of God on our life is too special to throw away with not reading our Bible and not praying. It's just, it's yeah. so special that, that anointing and that call of leaders. And so lack of spiritual depth is a huge one. I think another pitfall might be um, pride, not leading as a servant. And that uh, honestly comes back to not spending time with Jesus. If, if you, uh, if you don't have a servant's heart every day, waking up to serve, to put other people before yourself, that's going to be a big one. Cause when you don't, when your idea is not heard, if someone offends you, someone leaves your church, someone walks away, quits your team, whatever it might be, it's going to go back to, okay, well, how am I hurt by this? What are my, how am I feeling here in this moment rather than, okay, how, how did I miss the ball with, with serving and helping them or man, what's going on in their world that is so big for this to happen. And how can I meet them in that space of brokenness? That makes sense. And so, um, I, I heard it said recently that you, you know, you have the heart of a servant by the way you react when someone treats you like one. So when someone treats you like a servant, like, how are you reacting? Are you frustrated? Are you, are you offended? Are you all up in your emotions? Are you, and so if so, like you might not be leading with a servant's heart. And I think like, just look at the life of Jesus, read through John, do, do a, a, a Bible reading of the book of John and really get to know 
how much of a servant Jesus was. Um, yeah, the, the best example, obviously, of a servant is the life of Jesus. So I say that pride, not leading to servants, uh, allowing roots of bitterness and offense to take root in your heart. Yeah. Uh, if you allow yourself to drink the poison of offense, you're, you're going and living offended. It's just not a fun place to live. You're not living freely. You're not living in a wide open, spacious life. Um, as Paul talks about, I think in Corinthians, I'm not sure which one, which one on the top of my head, but you're not living freely and expansively. You're drinking poison. You're drinking offense. Um, and really when you're, when you're living offended and hurt, you're really the only one that's suffering because other people don't know you're hurt. Other people don't know that you're bitter and offended. You're just walking around with this poison in your heart yeah. and God does not want that. You you have, there's so much more for you than that. And so a breeding bitterness every day, a breeding bitterness leading and living as a servant and going deep in your walk with God. I think those are the biggest ones. And on the flip side, some good milestones to watch for that are indicating that good fruit and to have maybe to how to know that a leader that you're doing well as a leader is you, um, you have spiritual authority. You, you can pray, like you can pray real, uh, like authoritative, powerful prayers. Like when you pray out loud, does the room shift? Do people like, are there, is there movement in people's hearts mm-hmm. uh, or are there shallow, empty prayers? And so really just going, diving deep into your prayer life so that you have spiritual authority. You're biblically faithful. You're, you're true to God's word. You're kingdom centered. Like you are following what, what, what um, Jesus's kingdom would be, not what this cultural moment, but what this world is telling you to yeah. believe and to do. Um, so that you're firm, you have a firm foundation that it's built on the solid rock that is Jesus. And so that's, that's a good indicator there. I would say, are the fruits of the spirit at work in your life? Like, do you, do you have uh, a reaction, reactions that are of love and joy and peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Do you have those, those, those fruits at work in your heart and in your life? And if, and if not, go back to the secret place, go back to that time with Jesus. And as you are spending time with him and allowing the, the Holy Spirit to transform your heart, then that fruit is going to grow naturally. You're not going to have to feel like you're going to have to force joy, force peace. Fruits of the spirit are from the spirit. They're not from us. And so we don't have to manufacture love. We don't have to fake peace. We don't have to put on a show and pretend to be joyful. Those things come from God. And so I would say when you feel like you don't have to forcefully be joyful and loving and peaceful and kind like maybe that's that's how you know that you are that you're doing well when you don't have to force all of those fruits in your world um yeah I that would that would be the big one for me would just be uh, fruits of the spirit I agree. I love that. And whenever I teach on the prophetic one of the things that we teach is like in the new testament and the new covenant what people always ask, what about false prophets? How do you know a false prophet from a good prophet? And I'm like, you know, what's the difference is the fruit of the spirit, because the word says Mm -hmm. that you'll know them by their fruit, the prophets, you'll know by their fruit. And that word is the fruit of the spirit, because that's how you know they're of the right spirit. And uh, so that's one of the things we hit hard in our school of ministry. It's like, you can walk in all the power of God, but if you can't be kind, like, sorry, you're not very spiritual. (laughs) So I love that. I love that. It's so true. Okay. So last question, what are some of the habits that help those in second chair keep grounded in humility and gratitude? Because I feel like when we get away, which you kind of probably touched on some of this response already, but when we get away from humility, we don't serve well, we don't honor authority. Well, Mm -hmm. we don't show up well, we're not faithful. You know, when we get away from gratitude, we lose our passion for what we're doing. So what are some habits that help keep people in that place of humility and gratitude, even though the role might be very refined. That's great. I would say that remind yourself, write it on your mirror if you have to, or a sticky note, or put a reminder on your phone or an alarm that alerts you every day. Some way to actually remember every single day that we get to freely do what people get killed to do. Every day, people are getting murdered for their faith, and we get to freely, we get to freely do this, this work. And some of us even get paid to do it. Like I get paid to do, I get paid a salary to do what people on the other side of the world are literally getting killed to do every day. And that is so humbling. Wow. And that will, that sparks in me a spirit of gratitude every single day to just to remember just what, what honor it is to, to do this. Jesus's work is the greatest work that we'll ever be a part of. Um, the church is Christ's bride. 
it's his mo it's his prized possession it we're his people and so it, it really is the honor of a lifetime that we get to build people we get to build the, the bride of christ um and so just remembering that, that like this is so it's, it's a freeing thing that we get to do this um i that that would be the first one for me in carrying renewing a spirit of gratitude every morning i think keeping us grounded in humility and gratitude as well is not getting our eyes locked in on the on what's not going well and what i mean by that is so for example every week at our church we uh we we have things that obviously go very very well and sometimes things that don't go well but in our staff meeting on monday we're celebrating the wins we are focusing because here we can we can tend to get pretty critical on the things that we miss or that we mess up in so we just keep, we keep going back every week to the wins. Like we want to celebrate what wowed us, what floored us today. Like, and we celebrate people. We can celebrate people. We can celebrate things. But we are just sharing wins every week. Um, we're celebrating people really, really big. Like having a spirit and a culture of appreciation, a spirit of celebration. Uh, and if you think that you are encouraging someone a certain number of level, like triple it, <laughs> like triple how much encouragement that you are giving your team and the people around you, just having a, an environment of, of celebration and, and, and fun and excitement and celebrating all of the great things that God is doing in your church can, can keep it light and can keep it fun. Now, I'm not saying obviously ignore all the things you need to fix. Like you need to fix those things. And there's a time and there's a place for that throughout the week, but really making the celebration, the appreciation, such a huge part of what you're doing. Yeah. I think that will, that will, that plays a part in keeping your heart soft is, um, yeah, I send out appreciation cards to my team. I, a couple things, I just have eyes for wins on Sundays. And so Monday I get into the office and I write a couple cards to people that I just saw crushing it and I mail it to their house and just to, the, to let them know that, Hey, I saw you like, are you actually seeing people? Are you just looking for a task to get done? Are you seeing someone serving really well? Are you seeing someone living out your values on a Sunday? And if you do tell them, like, yeah. tell them that you saw them, That's tell them why you appreciate it. Don't just say, Hey, I appreciate you. Like you're awesome. Like, Hey, why, why do you appreciate me? Like the way that you held my baby on Sunday and made him take a nap and comforted him. That meant the world to me as a mama. And I appreciate you and I love you. And I'm so glad that you're part of my family. Uh, that's another thing that helps keep me humble and, and, and gracious living a life of gratitude is honoring and celebrating the people in, in your church. That's so good. I love mm -hmm. that. I love, it reminds me of um, Chris Valentin had had a dream where he shared that like he had all these diseases and it was like, um, pride and arrogance and bitterness and all these like sin diseases or whatever. And then he saw a syringe, which was an inoculation and it came and it shot him. And the label on the side of the syringe was gratitude. Mm -hmm. And the Lord was showing him in this dream, like, Hey, the solution to all of these areas is gratitude, walking in gratitude. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and a friend of mine, who's a family therapist, she just told me yesterday, she said that when we focus on gratitude, it actually has the same chemical response in our brain as when we're falling in love. And so she said, like, if there's ever an environment or relationship where you need to nurture love back into the picture, you need to focus on gratitude because it causes the same chemical response in, and attachment in your brain. And I was like, that's the coolest life hack ever. <laughs> and so I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, do you have any last thoughts? That was my last question, but did you have any last thoughts throughout this that you'd want to leave my listeners with? Because this was so good, so loaded, so much depth. Mm. I know that they're just gonna, um, just be loving the content that you brought today. Is there any last thoughts you have? Yeah, I just say, I think just going back to what I said earlier, just stay faithful, stay, stay planted and stay firm in your foundations because, you know, the storms are going to come, the rocky moments are, are going to come, but let's be the kind of leaders that have solid foundations built on the rock of Jesus so that when the storms do come, like we're, in, we're unshakable. Um, I think it's in Hebrews, like shake, uh, um, like so that only unshakable things remain. So remove the shakable things so that only unshakable things remain so that, yeah, when the hard times come that we are just, we're, we're planted, we're firm-footed, we have firm knees, um, 
firm hands, solid hands. And we're just like, we're not going to be moved or shaken because we're on a mission. We're on mission here. And uh, just to not forget that. That's so good. I love it. And if mm-hmm. I can make a personal request, I don't know if this is possible. I don't know if you guys have it written down somewhere or if you should write it down somewhere, but you guys had so many catchy one-liners that are like, uh, have a soft heart and thick skin, you know, and the finding lonely people and all these different ones. Like, I'm like, you guys should write all those down in a document and just make them downloadable online. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. Our values. Yeah. They're on our website. So you can just go to genesisspokane.com and it's just under our values and they're all, they're all there. Yeah. Right there. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, I can share, I can share a a document with you too if you want but that'd be perfect yeah, that'd be perfect. great <laughs> well thank you taylor so much for taking the time i've had you for quite a little while now but i'm excited for my listeners to hear this because i have a lot of leaders who listen to these episodes and i know that there's just so much rich content in this yeah. and I life to them so mm. thank you so much for taking the time yeah thank you jen for having me it's been an honor absolutely and it was great to meet you so in the future if i ever need a great interviewer i might give you another shout out <laughs> Okay. Sounds good. Count me in. (laughs) All right. Well, you have a great day. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. For today's life hack section, listen, I did not have any brand new life hacks for you because I want to feature your life hacks. You guys have sent me some great ideas in the past, and I would love to feature your voice and your life hack in the life hack segment. So this is your official invitation to get involved. You can send me a message on Instagram. You can send me a message actually directly in Anchor. In fact, if you use Anchor, you can send a voice message in the app, and I can actually put your voice message directly into the episode kind of cool. And I would love to do that. If you have a life hack that you think everybody needs to know, this can be anything that saves you money, saves you time, saves you stress, makes more peace with your kids, anything that has made your life a little bit easier that you think everybody else could benefit from as well. So if you've got something, here's your invitation. Let me know about it. Come find me on Instagram at Java with Jen and send me those life hacks. I want to hear them all. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. And I want to invite you to go check out the merch store. I'm going to be pulling some of my designs off of the merch store that maybe haven't seen a lot of movement. Um, But I know some of you have seen stuff on there that you've wanted and haven't gone and gotten yet. So this is an invitation to do that because once I pull stuff, I'm not likely to put it back up. So go check it out, javawithjenmerch.com. Make sure you don't miss out on something that you were hoping to order. Okay, javawithjenmerch.com. See you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.